This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, all our Torah Anytime viewers. Oh, new, new class. Okay. So the question is, we're going to speak a little bit about Hanukkah. Hanukkah is coming up, and uh, there is something very interesting. Because uh, when you look at, uh, at uh, you know, the, the story of Hanukkah, we focus a lot about the lights, Right, we hit, we light the candles. We do a lot of focus on the light, and in fact, if you know, we said the story about Hanukkah uh, last, two, last week, two weeks ago, that um, it was you know the, the the main miracle was the actual the Maccabees. We there was like there were like five Jews, the Maccabees. Uh, actually, the Hashmonaim. Actually, it was just Yehuda Maccabee, and against like the United States Army, comparable, and they won, and that was crazy. And we don't even focus about that. We just like mention them a little bit over there. We focus on the lights, the laws of lights, where you put the lights, how high you light it, how low you light it, how long it's supposed to light, what type of light you do. Everything is all about the lights. And now, what do we do without the lights? Because what happened was, is the, when the Kwanim came into the Beit Mikdash and they're looking for oil to light, they couldn't find any oil, and then they found one oil, and they lit it on one day, and it lasted for eight days. And that's why kids get eight days of presents. No, I'm kidding. So, um, but the idea is, 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 is why do we focus so much on the light? So, uh, and, and even, you know, well, there's more questions, but we'll, we'll, we'll speak about it. Let's, uh, let's first, uh, look about what's so special about these lights. The, um, the first day of creation, you go back to the creation, it says that, uh, that God created by He, oh, and God created light, and He separated between night and day. That's the first day. Then you go a little bit further, and you go to the fourth day, and God created the sun and the moon. And the obvious question will be like, uh, you know, like, oh, I have a question, you know, Rabbi. Uh, what, what was the light doing? You know, how did the sun and the moon came now? What was the light, you know, on day one? Because it literally says day one is Hashem created the light. But only the sun and the moon came, came four days later. So where was, what was the light that God created in the beginning? And the answer was it was a different type of light. Not the light that we have it now. It was a light known as the Ohaganus. Ohaganus was like this mystical, you know, secret light that it became, what, what, what was so special about it? First of all, let me tell you how long it lasted. It lasted until Adam Rishon got kicked out of Ganeden. 36 hours. So you have the 12 hours of Friday, the 24 hours of Shabbat. So you have 12 and, and 24 is 36. And then Adam left after Shabbat to Gan Eden. So there was 36 hours of this special light. And this special light is, is uh, um, this light. It's like a light of, you could explain it a light of clarity. You know, like, um, I'll give you an idea. We're constantly living our life with uncertainties. You know, let's get the simplest example. I've heard this. Uh, you go to a restaurant and you order a meal. And you order the meal. And the guy next to you, or the girl next to you, orders a meal too. And they get the meal first. And they're like, I should have ordered that. Oh my gosh, why did I order the chicken? Look at that, that steak looks amazing. And you're constantly, <coughs> you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, But, you, you know, you're like, you're, you live your life constantly. Should I take this job? Should I not take this job? You're con- com- always uncertain. Should I marry this person? Oh, you're good. Should I marry this person? Should I not marry this person? You're also. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um... <laughs> But you have all these questions. Should I buy this car? Should I not buy this? Should I take this job? Should I go to the school? Should I become this? Should I do this? Your whole life is all questions. It's all questions. And then it's questions that I do the right thing. Did I marry the right guy? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, also. So yeah, did, did I, did I, you know, put the children in the right schools? Did I, there's always questions and there's always uncertainties that you have in your life. And it, there's some things like, you just don't understand why things happen also. It's like there's always uncertainties. So the all news is a light of clarity. Everything just makes perfect sense. <coughs> Think of it like this. There's a lot of things that happen in our life, and we don't know why it happens. You know when we'll know why it happens? After 120, the day that we die, everything becomes clear. It'll be like, oh, you know why you got into this accident over here? You know why you didn't marry this person? You know why you did this? And everything is like, a, you see the big picture. 
And I was like, oh, this is why this happened. And this, everything becomes clear. It's a certain clarity that, that you, you look, uh, here's a, here's a little, even a better example. You go into a haunted house, right? Um, uh, or haunted, whatever it is. And, and you're, there's like, you know, people there that are running and screaming and they're, you know, in the costumes are falling things outside. And, you know, you're screaming your head off. And then what happens is, is you have to go back again. And uh, because you forgot, you dropped something on the floor. So they turn on all the lights and everyone's just standing over there. And you're walking through and you're like, I was scared of this. Are you kidding me? This is nothing. And you see there's like a little guy walking around there like, you know, like, hey, what's going on? You know, like I'm not, before you were screaming and you wanted to go to the bathroom and you're, you know, but you just, you know, ran. Now you're like, this is not scary at all. This is a certain light that just like things become clear and things become like, okay, everything makes perfect sense now. This is the light <coughs> of, of, uh, of the Oaganus. It's a light that sort of everything just becomes clear. Everything makes sense in life. And imagine the blessing that you have if that, if you get that. That is, un, that is unbelievable. If you realize most of the things, you have problems. You don't know why you have problems. This light of clarity will tell you why you have problems. You're not sure? No problem. This light will give you the certain, uh, you know, like the, the surety of what is the right, uh, right is the right, correct thing to do. This is a, this is like living in, in like, in like heaven. There's like, there's like, there's no doubt. There's no uncertainty. There's no questions. Everything makes perfect sense. Everything bad that happens makes perfect sense. Everything, everything just makes sense. Now what happened to this light is that God took it away because he, God saw that the wicked are also going to benefit from this as well as the righteous and he couldn't have it, so he saved it and he hid it. And what did he hid it for? Now let's count. We have eight candles, right? We light eight, eight, uh, eight candles. You light one in the beginning and then you light two. And then you, so, and then you have three. If you add up all the candles that we light, excluding the shamash, you get to 36. Exactly that. The secret of the 36 of the, of the organus is in Hanukkah. But now the question is, is how do we tap into that? How do we get that uncertain? That is, by the way, that's like the, the, the elixir of life. That is like what you want to go on. That's like all your life's questions will be answered. Everything will be clear. So how do we tap into it? If it's in this upcoming holiday, how do we get into that? So I was uh, looking into, uh, you know, this uh, Rav Shimshon Pikas has a sefer called Nefesh uh, Shimshon on Shabbat Kodesh. In there, I want to share with you what he wrote, what he, what he says over there because it's, it's amazing. So, the, the Greeks, during the time of Hanukkah, they banned three main things. Number one is Shabbat. A Jew is not allowed to keep Shabbat. Number two is Rosh Chodesh. A Jew is not allowed to keep Rosh Chodesh. And number three is a Brit Milah. A Jew is not allowed to get circumcised. Now the question is, is why those three things? It seems like a very random, uh, you know, sect. And in fact, by the way, the Greeks were very, very, they had a lot of wisdom in it. We know Aristotle, um, uh, what was the other ones? Plato and Socrates all came from Greek. They're, they're all, I believe they're all Greek. So, you have them over here, they were, they were wise. Why did they pick these particular three things? See how Jews ask questions on everything. Even the things that we get, the, you know, defeated on. Why did the non-Jews pick that? So, we look into these things and we'll find something amazing. There is Shabbat. Is, is these three things a non-Jew is not allowed to get involved in. A Shabbat. If a non-Jew keeps Shabbat, he's Chayav Mitah. He gets killed. They're not allowed to keep Shabbat. And in fact, there is a... <coughs> I was actually just messaging somebody. He's a Messianic Jew, uh, which means absolutely nothing. You're just, you're just, you're just JC. You believe in JC. You could leave the Jew part out because there's nothing Jewish about JC. But what they believe in is that they believe in the Torah. They, they keep Shabbat, all those different things. But at the same time, they also believe in JC. So when I told him, I'm like, you're not, uh, I'm, I'm, for some reason I'm very blunt with these people. Um, and, and I said, you're not allowed to keep Shabbat. He was, he's like, but I love Shabbat. There's a non-Jew, a guy from Africa actually. He loves Shabbat. And I'm like, you're not allowed to keep it. It's Yechai Mitah. He says, but I need it. You know, it's like that. And he said, you know, a non-Jew is not allowed to keep Shabbat. So, now, that's Shabbat. Rosh Chodesh, 
It says, "Achodesh Zayit Yelachem." This month shall be for you, right? In Shemot uh, chapter twelve, verse two. This means what does this mean? That this month, God told the, the the Jewish nation, the, uh, you know, you're in charge of the of the lunar cycle. So, for example, as in the olden days. How do we know when the new month came? Is when you had witnesses look up into the sky and see the new moon. When they saw the new moon, they say, okay, now the new moon begins. But, but how do they do that? They have to go to, to Bethim and they have to testify. And they go to Bethim and they say, listen, we saw the new moon and they, they question him. Did you see it? You know, all this back and forth question. And then they say, okay, this is the day of the, of the, of the, of the, I'm sorry, of the new moon. Now, the, um, this is only in the rabbinical, you know, it's only have to do with, with the Torah, with only with the Jews. Let's say a non-Jew gets uh, circumcision, he gets a surgical procedure, and then he wants to convert. He already got Brit Milah. Is it good? It's not. They actually have to go and they have to do a little procedure afterwards because it means nothing. If you're, if you do a, a Brit Milah as a, you know, even if you do it with a Moel, if you don't convert, if you don't, do, it means absolutely nothing. It's like you didn't do a Brit Milah. So these three things, a non-Jew has no access to it. They're like, okay, you're trying to be different than us. We want a Hellenistic country. We want everybody to be the same. Everyone to follow Greek. Everyone to follow that. Says, you know what? We're not going to do that. You're not going to do that because you're going to be the same as us. So they went and they said, and they said, you're not allowed to do the three things that make you different than us. So now, when we look at these three things, it's something very interesting as well. There is a, um, you look at, at Shabbat. You look at Shabbat. Shabbat is 100% to God. You know, you're going and, you know, you're rushing and it's late and Shabbat is coming and you're getting prepared and you're cooking and da, da, da. And then Shabbat comes, that's it, everything stops. It's out of your control. Everything is in God's hand. The second that the clock hits the, the candle lighting time, everything stops. Shabbat is 100% for, uh, for God. Now, you look at the Hoshkodesh. You look at the Hoshkodesh, it's the opposite. The Hoshkodesh is 100% in, in the humans. Cause God, and in fact, there's a Midrash that says, uh, that, that, uh, they went and they said to, uh, the angels came to God and says, when is Pesach this year? You know, we, uh, how do we understand it? But listen to the story. So God says, I don't know. Let's go to the Jewish court and see when they, they scheduled it. Cause whenever the Jewish courts schedule that is Rosh Chodesh, that's how you know when Pesach is. And that, so the, the way that the holidays are set up, when is Rosh Chodesh, when is not, it's all in the hands of the Jewish courts. So now we're looking over here, very conflicting things over here. First I'm telling you that Shabbat, 100% to God. Then I'm telling you Rosh Chodesh, 100% to, towards man. So how do we rectify these two things? So there is, uh, in order to rectify this, we have to understand a certain concept in the Mishnah in Baba Mitziah. There is uh, a case that uh, two people come into court and uh, they come in holding a, a uh, you know, this, this, uh, this piece of cloth. And they come in and they each say, um, this cloth belongs to me. And the other person says, this, no, it belongs to me. And they're all both holding in it. The ruling of the case is, you split it in half, this person gets half, this person gets half. Now, let me switch the case around a little bit. Let's say two people come into court and say this whole thing belongs to him. And the guy says, no, it doesn't belong to me, it belongs to him. Sounds crazy, right? No one would ever do that. In America, probably. But it actually happened. It was a story that actually happened. In the, the Midrash brings down that it was uh, Alexander the Great went to visit a kingdom and uh, Katya, and he went to observe how they rule their monetary laws. So he's sitting there and there's two people coming to him, and one guy says, he says, listen, I bought a field, but the field doesn't, uh, you know, I bought the field from this guy. And then I was plowing, and I hit a treasure. And I found the treasure, it's full of gold coins, diamonds, but it doesn't belong to me. I just bought the field, I didn't buy what's inside of it. So the other guy says, no, 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 I sold him the field, I sold him everything that has to do with it. So he says, the field is his. So this guy saw, the, 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 the Alexander the Great is watching this you know, dumbfounded. He's like, how is this possible? And one guy is saying, this treasure is his. The other guy is saying, this treasure is his. So the king thinks for a second and he goes to one of them and he says, listen, do you have a son? And he says, yeah. He says, do you have a daughter, the other person? And they said, yeah. He says, you guys get married and the treasure will be for the children. And that's what they did. 
And then the Alexander the Great was like shaking his head. He's like, well, you know, so the king goes with that. He says, why? Would you have ruled differently? So Alexander the Great says, yeah. He says, what would you have done? So I would have killed both of them and taken the treasure for the, for the treasury. So, uh, which by the way, if you understand it, he wasn't, he wasn't this, you know, like, you know, money hungry always, you know, about why would he do that? He was, he had a, he had a really important understanding. He was a wise man. He was thinking, he says, listen, economy needs to have competition. If there's no competition, if everyone's thinking about everybody else, the economy is not going to fluctuate. He says, we can't have these two people over here. We have to kill them and take the treasury over there because economy needs competition. But this actually happened. And what happened? He says, these two people, they wanted, they wanted to give everything to the other person. They wanted to give 100% to the other person. The other one said, oh, I don't give everything. It doesn't belong to me, this treasure. So what happened? They each got 100%. How? Through their children. And this is how we see. So we saw the first case. Each one wanted half. They each got they each got half. And usually when you cut it in half, it's usually worth less than actually half. When each one wanted to give the other person the whole thing, they each got 100% because their children got 100% of it. So now, with this understanding, we can understand of what's going on over here between Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh. Comes Shabbat, we tell God, everything is yours. 100% it's yours. We don't have anything. Everything belongs to you. Comes Rosh Chodesh, God says, no, no, no. Everything is to you. This is very conflicting. What do we do? So we do the same thing. We combine it. We do something called a brit. We have a covenant. We have this with, with this partnership that we have together with God. And in a sense, when we're doing a brit milah, we're having, we're creating this partnership. This partnership means that now, not, we said everything's to God. God said everything's to us. We each get 100% of everything. That's the way that it works. And this, by the way, how it works for the husband and wife as well. If a husband comes home and says, listen, I work so hard, I spend so much time getting money, and the house is not clean, and this is not clean, and she says, what do you want from me? I'm watching the kids, I'm cleaning up, and trying to prepare dinner, you know, and, he, and then she goes and says, says you know, I'm, you know, where's this? Where's my you know, new jewelry, new clothes? They each one are arguing, and they're probably right. The husband has a, has a right, and she has a right, but they're each saying, 50% is mine, and 50% is yours. You know, I have obligations, you have to give this to me, and the, and the, and the wife says, I have obligations, and you have to give this to me. Each one is saying, I, you need to do something for me. That's not a real marriage. A real marriage is 100% for the wife, and the wife says 100% to the husband. The wife, the, you know, the husband comes over to work and says, you know, I'm so successful, but only because of you, only because I have such a strong woman behind. And she's like, no, you're, you know, the, the only reason why we have such a good house and beautiful house is only because of you, because you're support and you're, you're a strong thing. When a, when a family lives like that, then you get not, not that you don't have 50, you get 100%. And this is what God was showing us in these three things. Now we're going to, now how are we going to plug this into, the, into Hanukkah? Listen to this, it's beautiful, it's a chidush, if I may say that I, that I thought of, and I hope that, uh, you know, it will bring, it'll shed light to this. Comes Hanukkah, we had a miracle that we did. And we, we won the miracle. You know, but we don't publicize that, we publicize the oil. What, what was the, what was the whole miracle about the oil? The oil was, you know, what happened was is that, you know, we could have, halachically, we would be allowed to use any oil. To Mahotra Batsiba. We would allow to use any oil that we want. We don't need to have a, the seal of the coin gadol. It has to be a perfect seal of the oil. We could use any oil. But what happened was the Kwanim, they came in there like, we've been so impure. We've been under the Hellenistic influence the whole time. We've been under, there's so many Jews turned Greek and so many, we lost so much. All we want to do for God is I just want to give everything to you. I just want to do everything for you. I just want to be so pure. And they were looking and they said, no, we don't want any impure oil. We want something that is 100% pure. So they were looking and they were looking and they were looking until they found one. The problem was it would only last for one day. So they said, listen, we want to give everything that we can for God. Everything is God. Everything belongs to God. Everything is 100% God. So God says, ah, you're doing that. So you're giving 100% to me. I'm giving 100% right back to you. And where is the, now we're looking into all, how we're going to answer the Oraga news. We said that secret, that awesome, amazing light. You want to know how to tap into it? You want to know how to tap, you follow what the way the Hashmonaim, the, 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 the Maccabees, how they did it. What did they do? They went, everything's for God. And God says, oh, that's what you're doing for me? I'm going to give you everything's for you. When we go and we go and we give God everything, we say, God, you know what? 
That's it. I'm with you. Everything that you want, I'm going to do. When you live your life that way, God says, oh, you're living that way? 100% for me? I'm going to give you 100% for you. And you're going to get that, that. You're going to tap into that clarity, that amazing light, that amazing ability to have such understanding in life and such easiness in life and an amazing life. You'll have it with this Baha of giving 100% to, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And this is why we publicize it. You realize, Jews don't publicize everything. You know, we don't take our masters and hang them by the window. Hey guys, it's Pesach now, right? On Sukkot, we go outside, but we don't, you know, show everybody. We'll go in the back. And there's no, there's no, why on, why all of a sudden on Hanukkah, everybody's got to see the lights. You know, it's at the Minoah. And the answer is, God is, is, is showing us that the, the, the reason for this mitzvah is to remind us is you want to be successful. You want to be like the Maccabees. You want to win. You want to be successful in life. Do everything. Look at, remember what they did for the oil. The oil was everything's for God. When you live, everything's for God, you are going to be amazing. You are going to have an amazing, amazing life. This is the idea behind Hanukkah. You want to tap into it. You want to realize the secret behind it. I believe this is where the secret lies. This is why you people think, okay, you know what? All right, God, I'll give you this. I'll, I'll pray over here. I'll beat snuai. I'll eat kosher food. I'll keep Shabbat. I'll do it for you, God. God's saying, you're not, you're missing the point. He says, he says, when you're doing it for me, you're really doing it. Everything's for you. Everything's going to come right back at you. This is the idea behind it. This, and you know, I saw uh, a very interesting, uh, a cute little story. You know, sometimes people look for, you know, their amazing, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know what you call it, um, like where are they going to strike the gold? Where are they going to get it? So there's once a guy, uh, and uh, um, this is not true, this is just, uh, you know, make him. He, there's once a guy that he goes and he starts walking, his life is terrible. Can't make panasak, can't find a shidur, can't, nothing's working for him. So he decides he's going to go speak to Mr. God. Mr. God is located, you know, in the story somewhere over there, and he's going to go. So while he's walking, he, he meets this shriveled up tree. And, you know, the tree talks to him and says, where are you going? He says, listen, I need certain things, I'm going to God. So the tree says, listen, can you do me a favor? He says, I- I'm shriveling up over here, I'm dying over here, I don't know what's going on over here. Please, can you speak to God about my tree? About, about me and, and see what I could do to, to help me. And he said, no, no problem. He goes, he walks a little more, he sees this young woman. And this young woman is crying and crying, and he's like, listen, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, you don't understand. He's like, I'm trying to get married, and I can't find it, yada, 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 yada. And he says, listen, I'm happy to be, I'm going to God. I'm going to the wizard, or whatever you want to call it, and I'm going to ask him. And, uh, you know, if uh, if you want, I could I could ask for you as well. And uh, she says, uh, okay, you know, fine, thank you. Then he meets, uh, you know, your shriveled up beer, skinny beer, you know, and he says, uh, you know, the beer says, you know, where are you going? He says, oh, I'm going to speak to God. I have some issues. He says, listen, can you do me a favor? I'm so hungry. I haven't eaten in days. Can you go please speak to the God about, you know, what, what I could do? So he says, yeah, sure. Not a problem. He goes and, uh, he, you know, he goes to God and God says, uh, okay, from now on, when you're going to go back, your whole luck is going to change. Everything is going to change 100%. I'm going to give you a blessing. Everything's going to be better for you. He's like, really? He's like, God says, it's going to be amazing. Don't worry about it. He's like, amazing. Okay, awesome. And he says, I uh, have three questions from, from three other people. And God said, no problem, here's three envelopes, give him the envelopes, the answers are in these questions. So he goes, fine. So he walks back, he meets up this tree, and uh, he gives him the letter. The tree opens it up, and it reads a letter, and says, you know, the reason why, you know, you can't, uh, you know, there's no water coming to you is because there's, there's a bunch of diamonds that's stuck in your roots. You have to dig it up, take the diamonds out, and then, the, then when, you water, when the water comes to you, you'll be able to drink the thing. So the, the tree goes, quick, 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 can you please help me, can you please dig up the ground? And the guy says, I wish I could, but I have no time. I'm changing my life now. My life is becoming 100% better now. I got to run. So the tree said, please, I beg of you. Just, just, and he says, listen, I would love to help you, but I can't. My life, my luck is changing. I got to go. So he goes. He meets the girl. And the girl opens up the thing. And he says, you know, you want the love of your life. If you get married to this guy, you, you'll have amazing children, amazing panasa. Everything will be amazing, amazing marriage. Everything will be amazing. Sign God. 
And when you get that letter, you'd be like, you know, she, you know, she goes to him and says, I was like, listen, he says, you know, I, I'm looking for someone to get married. And he's like, listen, I don't have time for your issues right now. Here's your letter. I gotta run. My, my life is changing. I gotta go. And he goes and he leaves her alone. She's like screaming at him. Wait, 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 wait. He's not listening. He's running off. He says, my life is changing. I have no time. He meets with the beer. The beer, he gives the beer the letter and the beer opens it up and reads the letter and then he grabs the, the guy by the neck and the guy's like choking. He's like, ah, he's like, what are you doing? And as the guy, you know, is, is choking to death, he looks at the letter and in the letter it says, you know, it, you know, from God, it says, uh, if this fool ever reaches you, make sure you kill him and eat him because he's an idiot. You know, sign God. So this guy was a fool. He had the luck. Everything was going for him. Every, was perfect under his nose, but he didn't see it. Why didn't he see it? He didn't have the blessing to see it. There's many times in life we have so much blessing right under our nose. Everything is, we think, okay, this is not going well, this is not going, this, everything is going so perfectly. But all we need to have is that clarity, that ability to see that perfectness, that ability to see that amazing light that God has for us. It reminds me of, uh, we'll finish with this story, of uh, an, <clears throat> there was once uh, <clears throat> this person that um, left, left the, the, uh, the Holocaust, um, got the, survived the Holocaust is a better uh, phrase for it, and um, he went, <coughs> excuse me, oh. Satan, I'm sorry. So, um, not that I'm the Satan, but the situation. So, trying to stop the Torah. So now, the, we'll finish with this story. The, 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 there was a person that got liberated from the, from the concentration camps, and he went, before he made his way back to America, back to wherever he was going to go, he went to the forest and he was looking for something. In his family, you know, Harlem heritage, they had this amazing menorah that it was hand carved by someone particular. So they went and uh, he was looking for it for weeks. He, he knew that his he knew that his uh, you know his family dug it up somewhere, but he couldn't find it. And he dug and he spent weeks and weeks until he finally found it. He took this he took this uh, this menorah and he brought it back to him. And he went to he went to uh, to uh, to America. When he went to America, he asked somebody if he could stay by him, and he said, um, yeah, no problem, you could stay for me until you get on your feet, some other Jew that he met, and I forgot, this is by the way, a true story, I think maybe it was in Brooklyn, I don't know where, where or Washington Heights, somewhere in the area, and he's staying, he's staying over there, and uh, comes Hanukkah, the first Hanukkah, so he takes out his menorah, his menorah from his family, and he puts it up over there, and uh, he likes the menorah. And it's a magnificent menorah made out of silver. It's a, it's a beauty. It's a really exquisite piece of art. And uh, suddenly, <clears throat> like the sixth or seventh day of Hanukkah, they get a knock on the door. And they see a wealthy businessman standing in the front. And they said, is that your menorah? So the guy says, the guy who answers the door says, it's not mine. It's, it's you know, somebody who's staying by me. And says, can I speak to him? I want him. I need to buy that menorah. I need to have that menorah. So the guy comes, uh, the guy comes down. He calls him down. And he says, uh, is this your menorah? And says, yeah, it's part of my family tradition. He says, listen, I, th- there's like only like three of these menorahs in the world. I need it. I'm a collector. I'll, I need it. He says, I'm willing to pay you $50,000. You're talking about in the 1950s, what $50,000 was. You're talking about like maybe $500,000 nowadays or even a million dollars that he was offering it for a menorah. And he said, listen, you know, I'd love to give you. And then, by the way, this guy had no panasa. He was trying to work, couldn't find anything. He was really tempted. Should I do it? Should I not do it? I don't know. And he says, listen, I can't. I would love to, but this is the only remembrance I have left from my family. I went and I was looking after the Holocaust. Nobody survived my family. This is the only remembrance that I have. And I'm begging you, you know, I can't. I can't sell. It's not for sale. The guy said 75000 1950. 75000 means a lot more than it means today. And he says, I, I wish I would love to. He goes up to 100000 He says, 100000 I'll give you 100000 Would you sell it? And he says, it's not for sale. I'm sorry. And the guy leaves. And meanwhile, you know, he's like, did I do the right things? A hundred thousand. Think about it today. Somebody comes over to you. You have a nice piece of hammer. Uh, you know, they offer you $10 million. 
He'd be like, you want my arm with that also? You know, he'd be like, of course, take it, you know. But this guy was, you know, was, this he lost everything and this is all. He, he lost his entire family. So, fine. He goes and life goes on. Hanukkah is over. He puts him in a while away. And time move, time goes on. It's a, it's a few years pass. And he's still in the same place. Panasana not working well. And he lights him in a while again. And this time, again, this is a few days into Hanukkah, there's, a, there's another knock on the door. And this time it's an old woman sitting over there. And she says, listen, she says, I, I couldn't bother you. This is an old Jewish woman. So, so I couldn't bother. I, I saw you, I saw this menorah. Can I, can I take a closer look at it? And the guy says, yeah, for sure. She's a nice Jewish lady. He invites him into her house and she starts looking into it. And, you know, and she's looking at this menorah for like a few minutes. She's like investigating from all sides and then she starts crying. And she turns around and she says, where did you get this from? And she says, you know, it's not mine. It's somebody who, you know, lives here. And as it goes, it just so happens that this boy was walking down. As he walks down the stairs, he turns around, he sees this old woman, you know, looking at his menorah. He's like, there we go, another situation. He walks, he goes over to, you know, starts walking over to the woman. The woman turns around, stares at him, and all of a sudden he freezes. For a minute he's shocked. And then he screams, mommy? And she's like, are you, and they went and they ran and they embraced each other. She found his mother. His mother actually survived the camps. His mother survived the camps and he couldn't find her. He says, but you know what found her? The fact that he was able to give up on keeping on something in the family, you know, you know, heritage that he had to keep. He was reunited with his mother again. What did he, would you pay anything? Was it a million dollars worth it? A billion dollars wouldn't be enough that, that he would pay for that. But when you look at that, that's 2020 hindsight. But imagine with the Or Ganus, the amazing light that we have from the Torah, that we have from, that we're able to tap into Hanukkah. Everything is clear. Everything is going to be amazing. And Bezat Hashem, the blessing is that we all, we will, may we all be able to tap into this Oraganus, be able to tap into this amazing light that we'll be able to Bezat Hashem experience, and we will see, see and feel the presence and everything that has to do with the Torah and God, and be able to live our lives like that, and have an absolutely amazing, amazing and successful life. Zagabol. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.